fans, welcome back. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. It's the Midtown Madness podcast. Uh, before we get going, thank you again for listening. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button, as well as the bell down below. Get notified whenever a new episode drops. Uh, this episode and the whole season of the Midtown Madness podcast, of course, you know, is brought to you by Two Men and a Garden. Uh, whether you like it mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, the people over at Two Men have you covered. Uh, why Two Men in a Garden? Well, they are St. Louis through and through. Um, you know, I, I didn't make it down to Knoxville for the NCAA tournament game, but it sure helped having some of their delicious salsa on hand, even though I watched it at the uh, West at Westport Social. Uh, Pete was able to, you know, digest that that score line with some salsa to, to chase it. Uh, so you can pick up their many products in any local grocery store or online at two men in a garden.com. Follow them on social at two men salsa on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Pete, Pete, Pete. Uh, it's what we feared, but I, I mean, I felt at ease throughout the game, you know, uh, I was disappointed in some of the things that the Billikens did, I think it's fair to uh, say that SLU could have done better, uh, especially in that first quarter. Uh, but, hey, it, th this was a great Saturday to celebrate Billiken women's hoops. They did something they've never done before, and no one can take that away. Can't take it away from them. Can't take it away from us. It's, it's amazing uh, to, to see them play in the tournament for the first time in program history regardless of the outcome and we'll get into that right now but you're right i had head held high uh feel good about the season feel good about the direction of the program and i don't uh i don't for a second think there's any shame in the in the results uh this weekend no um and, and like i said you know there are things that slew could have done better and and may have resulted in perhaps covering the spread or even better um you know, yeah. Slew hung in there for a while. Uh, it was a three-point game in the second quarter, 27-24. Uh, and I thought, Pete, you know, the Billikens could have led in this game. On, like, late, like at the end of that first quarter, uh, they should have been in the lead, to be honest with you. They were they were really close there for a while, and and we we haven't given the final score yet. This was the 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 women lost ninety five fifty at yes. um at Tennessee. They were the Tennessee was the four seed. Slew was the thirteen seed on Saturday the eighteenth in the first round of the women's tournament. And you're right, Zach. Slew was right there. They were I think two. They got to within two at one point. Do mm -hmm. I have that right? I think yes. it was twenty four twenty two, and then twenty seven twenty four before Tennessee went on that big oh, run. Oh my god. 21 to, to zero run to finish the, the quarter, to finish the half and take a 48, 24 lead into the locker room. And then they proceed to start the second half with another nine Oh run. And it was just kind of, there's not much you can do after that. You know, I kind of thought, okay, if slew comes out of the gate, you know, at halftime hot, maybe they start to get under Tennessee's skin a little bit. Maybe they, they make this at least a respectable, um, you know, uh, margin. But uh, but, you know, unfortunately, that just wasn't in the cards there. There was something a little bit like I had a kind of a feeling about this one just because when Tennessee beat LSU in the SEC tournament, I thought I think that's 
well, you know, I'm saying this after the fact because I didn't look into them all that much before we drew them. But when I saw that, I kind of thought, I think this is a team that's probably peaking at the right time. Yeah. Like, like they're they're probably playing their best ball of the season at the end of the season, like SLU is, to be completely fair. But they had lost a lot of games, as we talked about um, in our in our preview show last week. They had lost a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have. They were they were really close. They were kind of on the edge of being ranked all season. I think they're a little better than that 23 rating indicates, that ranking indicates. And that's what SLU ran into in this game. And uh, you know, to SLU's credit, early on they 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 did kind of look the part of that that uh the team that could really get under the skin of uh, of a top seed like that. Yeah, and I do want to kind of run down a few things that I thought the Billikens were were poor at, and in the spirit of the neo neo feminist that I am, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's you. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think that they obviously did not shoot the ball well. They did not take advantage of of opportunities they earned for themselves and opportunities mm-hmm. that uh, Tennessee gave them because. I really hated the way the Tennessee or the uh, the halftime analyst, the the studio analyst, was like, uh, "Well, th- at first Tennessee wasn't really paying attention on defense, or wasn't." I'm like, "Shut up, dude! Like, we we torched them with a couple beautiful sets and actions, sure. Um, and of course, Brooke Flowers torching them down the court, and Julia Martinez finding her for that patented." over the top fast break. And, you know, I thought we did a lot good early on, but you saw, you know, the, the gap in, obviously you saw the gap in size and I think it affected the Billikens at the rim, even when they had open shots, because I mean, there were probably, and of course the, the three point shooting was bad as well early, but that the shots at the rim are just, I mean, if it wasn't Tennessee, we're talking about the opponent, they're inexcusable. Yeah, I think that that's right. I mean, like imagine that in an A-10 game, how frustrated we'd have been if they missed that many layups um, or that many open um, kind of near to mid-range shots. I think that was, it it was, it was frustrating even against Tennessee. I mean, you know, like you, you, you don't have that margin for error. You got to make those. um, I think it's just a different way of being frustrated, right? It's, it's being like, oh, you need those against this team rather than come on, you gotta have those. Yeah, that that's that's like, 100% you can't right. miss that. But right. it's yeah, it's a it's a different tone you're you're upset with. Yeah, but it but it wasn't just you know okay so so they they you you mentioned earlier you said the word you used was they earned them and I think that's mm-hmm. right um, because they were forcing Tennessee to turn it over quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then Slew was also getting offensive rebounds, which was kind of surprising. You know, like we knew going into this game, rebounding Absolutely. was going to be a nightmare. Like this, the Tennessee team, they're so big. They're big at every position uh, relative to Slew. And and they've got that big athletic front court. They bring size off the bench. I mean, we just knew rebounding was going to be a problem. We knew it. And so, so yeah, defensive rebounding was still kind of an issue. But, but man, I mean, they got after it on the offensive glass. They put themselves in a really good position gave themselves extra opportunities. They just could not make shots. And looking at the box score, I mean, you've got Calhoun, Castro, Kennedy. They were 0 for 9 in the first half. Martinez was 1 for 6. A couple people were shooting okay, right? Like uh, McBacon was okay. I think she was 3 for 6 in the first half or something like that. Um, 
but just man everybody went cold in the second <laughs> i mean even even colder somehow it, it it was just one of those days and obviously you're playing against such a good team in tennessee uh probably a little bit better than baylor so probably the best team they've played all season yep and 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 there's something to be said for that but they did miss a lot of good looks and it's just you, yeah you're right you can't do that against a team like this yeah i thought one of the other issues that they had and it's in our notes here but the turnovers and i thought mm. it would just i don't know what it was I, maybe they just got kicked in the teeth and you know kind of went numb a little bit but it, it just felt like uh or they weren't expecting tennessee to do you know to be as quick quicker on the close downs uh quicker yeah. hands longer arms uh i mean it, it the the turnovers they were just it, it was like they kind of they they almost were carelessly they were careless turnovers but they were forced careless turnovers mm -hmm. and yeah. that that you know tennessee snuck up on them from behind or uh just weren't they weren't watching their back really on offense with the ball i think that that is one of the there are a few different ways in this game but that's one of the ways you really see the the difference in mm -hmm. athleticism right Be between like a team that tennis like tennessee has got They've got some transfers, but their recruits tend to be of the four and five star variety. And you see the difference between between um, just all around athleticism between a team like that and just a normal team like SLU, right? Like like our transfers are coming from Longwood. Our recruits are not four and five stars. It's, it's a totally different level um, of athleticism. They do things like that that maybe LaSalle and Richmond and UMass and teams that you play regularly are not quite at that level. Um, it's no shame on, on slew or anyone in the eight ten. It's just like, this is what it's like to play a top tier team. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, Tennessee was able to, to trick them, frustrate them, get them into a lot of mistakes. Um, and, and luckily for Tennessee, they were, they were hitting too, right? I mean, slew's slew's slash line at halftime, Zach, 286, 167, 667, and then Tennessee is shooting 62% from, from the field. 500 from uh from three and then um 800 from the line um pretty pretty mistake free basketball in terms of their shooting percentages there uh getting themselves good looks knocking down open three pointers Just so many options too mm. i mean they, 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 yeah. i mean they had they had scoring options all the way into their walk-ons yeah and i i think we're gonna get into that because it's yeah. a it's a certainly something it's a it's a thing in women's college basketball that needs to be discussed. And, um, you know, I, I who I, I thought, you know, I, I was so proud of Brooke Flowers in this one and oh. so impressed with the way she handled this game. Um, I thought, I mean, just to, to there were multiple occasions where she kind of made she made Tennessee player look stupid, like real stupid on, on, on when she on her defensive end, like. Uh, you know, I just think she really showed out and, uh, I thought she showed some, some face up skills, which I thought was awesome. Something you hadn't seen is, uh, you, you know, she can kind of pop out and, and shoot that elbow jumper, but like, you don't get to see it that often. I almost wish you would have, they would have seen what she could have done late in the game. You know, maybe show some face up on ABC against Tennessee. Why not see who's watching this game? You know what I mean? That's right. Some she gave herself for a the really nice level. reel. You're yeah. you're absolutely right. It's a shame the the WNBA is such a small league yes. because 
you have to be an elite, elite, elite player to, to get drafted. Yes. There are top five draft picks every year who do not play in the NBA, the WNBA the next season, because the league, you're talking about uh, 12 teams, right? I mean, you're talking, it's less than 200 players. It's something like 150, 160 players. That's so hard to crack. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Brooke Flowers is such an intriguing prospect um, in, in any other world. It's just such a small league. There are going to be some overseas options for her, for sure. Oh. Sure, um, she played so great in this game, and, and and credit to the broadcast too. They had a ton of good things to say about her. They really laid. And and look, you know, whenever it's a blowout, the broadcasters have a lot of time to kind of fill with narratives and and stories and 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 all the the, the storylines that coming coming into the game, statistics, whatever they got, and they really unloaded. Um, everything they had for flowers I, they had so many nice things to say about her and it's and it's it's true that she played a great game she had 17 points nine rebounds five blocks she passed rebecca lobo for 18th all time on in, four, uh, in what, career four blocks. straight blocks against the the tennessee yeah, offense pretty cool it was yes. multi-block possession right and they were like oh yeah during that little flurry right there she passed Fast Lobo, who was in the studio that day. Um, so so it was it was an incredible performance by her. And it wasn't just like her stats or anything, Zach. I mean, she she played with so much emotion. She played with so much energy. Mm-hmm. You there saw were... the emotion on her face at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, that I mean, was... she brought it all to this game. She brought it all. There were players on SLU who looked a little bit overwhelmed. Yes. Which is completely fair. Uh, but flowers look not only looked the part, but like just brought it. Like she yeah. she brought her a game, a plus game, and um, what a way to to end her career to go out on a game like that. I, I cannot say enough nice things about the, the game she played. And, and of course, by frustration on her face, she was in tears at one point in the second half. Um, yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> Brooke, you. Uh, you impressed the entire bill. Like you guys have like Billiken men's basketball fans who are staunch, just men's basketball fans only that are paying attention to you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have, you went on ABC. I, I, like I tweeted out, you know, this is the most eyes that have ever been on, um, on bill. Like every high school girl in the country is watching Tennessee play on ABC at 11 a.m. on a Saturday morning. It's a big Everyone. deal, man. It's a big deal. Uh, I mean, you, like, Brooke Flowers doing what she did, uh, the energy at which they played defense in this one, um, you know, I, I mean, the, like, people are going to watch that, watch Brooke Flowers. There's going to be some 6'5 girl in high school somewhere in America that's going to watch that and be like, damn, I want to play in the center of coach Tillett's defense or offense. Mm-hmm. I want to have a, a player like Julia Martinez throwing me the ball. This is going to do like, regardless of the scoreline, this is going to put, put slew on the radar of a step up in recruit. It, this the, I mean, there's nothing you can do better for recruiting than make an NCAA tournament men's or women's period. That's what it's all about in this sport. That's what it's all about. People don't know your regular sports fan, your regular person doesn't know anything about college basketball all year long. And then these games come on and it's magic. And it's a huge deal for high school basketball players. I, I, I mean, not just who want to be the next broke flowers, but like, look, schools like Tennessee, they, the blue bloods, they only have 15 scholarships. Everybody yeah. else is the one who wants a crack at them. Right. So no matter what happens to slew, no matter what the scoreline is, 
there there have to be players on the other end of that going okay if i'm if i'm not at the level of making tennessee give me a shot at tennessee i would love to have a a, a chance at them someday and there's not enough of that yet right and slew just put the proof right there like come play you know take shoot your shot let's let's narrow this margin next time let's uh let's really threaten this team let you know it's there's a way to make a name for yourself you got to start uh picking off teams like that eventually um to rise the profile of your program so this is step one man it's a huge step yeah we talk about that gap in talent and my goodness uh rakia jackson jordan horston um they're they're okay oh my god and, and you know i think the shooting comes from just you know when some when a when a billiken player's hand is at your neck when you're shooting uh it's easy to see over them um the the the, again the level of talent there the fluidity that they play with the confidence that they play with that's one of the things about tennessee even when they were at their most frustrated in the first and second quarter the confidence like the the, just the we are supposed to be playing a certain way and and jackson and 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 horston are just incredible they were uh 17 of 24 from the field combined um you know they they rebound they pass they do it all really the, the, you know you, you, we we don't have an answer for that we just have to play our game and and hope it goes well but my god those two are good yeah that that whole team like i said like down the line like even when we got and that was annoying too you know they I, I get that they're tennessee and they've got a, a uh you know a level of dominance to uphold but man like even throwing in their walk-ons at the end, like it's still just, there's still, their walk-ons are four stars. Well, I mean, literally they have a five-star recruit scoring two points a game. Who's like 10th or 11th in their rotation. Like that. Remember like Nathaniel talked to us about that um, last week. Um, Literally a five-star, like that even in, um, you know, Duke or Carolina or whatever, whoever it is on the men's side, Kentucky, the five stars who come in are rotation players. They are contributors, right? They aren't scoring two points off the end of the bench. It's amazing to me that they go that deep. That's that's like I when he said that, I, I was like, was she is she hurt? I mean, is there something going on? Was she ineligible? It's like no, no, she's just not. She's just not quite up to the level of like our top ten or eleven. Like what? <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Yeah, truly so, preposterous. So they empty the bench and they bring on you know, five of the top recruits in the country, what are you supposed to do? Uh, it, it just, you know, it, it feels like Tennessee is back as a program. They, they, I know it's been eight or nine years or so since they've really been a true top tier elite team in women's basketball. But, but to me, this, this team looks like um, they're, they're going to be up there with, with South Carolina and LSU at the top of the SEC um, competing with anybody else in the country for the foreseeable future. Um, just an incredible level of talent they've got there. Yeah, it, dude, it was, but it was fun, man. I, you know what? It, it was enjoyable to kind of sit back and, and watch this game and watch the Billikens uh, compete. I thought, uh, you know, uh, Cameron Clegg was, was great off the bench, uh, yep. 12 points. Uh, I thought McMakin had a, fine game i thought some of her shots were meh i thought you know she saw everybody struggling and kind of reverted back you know lord please forgive me i'm about to go back to the old me type thing and yeah. uh i thought julia martinez had a really nice game passing the ball 
uh, did not play well at the rim. Uh, again, nobody did when they were right. being guard. Actually, nobody did. Period. Uh, besides yeah. Flowers, everyone else was just. Um, I mean, I don't know if the shot lines, sight lines are different at the area. I don't know what the hell that was about, but um, yeah, they couldn't get away from that, that off shooting night uh, against Tennessee. No, 33% from the field, 15% from three. I mean, look, 82% from the line. They always, they always get it done from the line. So even with, uh, you know, a little bit deeper background, maybe at that arena, um, maybe just a little, but, uh, but regardless, they were still good from the line. Um, I think it's also worth highlighting here. Um, Flowers had nine rebounds that, that lifted her school record total to 1256. Obviously 398 is the school blocks record by a mile. And then she ended up with uh, 1,284 career points, which is 11th in slew history. So um, again, hat off to her. She's got, she's just had an incredible career there. Um, you know, it's 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 a bittersweet game to end on. It's your first ever tournament game. It was a blowout. You're playing a, a true blue blood. It's it's a lot of emotions. It's a it's a big time experience. Um, it's a whirlwind week leading up to it. So, I uh, you know she she handled it well, and she goes down as one of the greatest all time Billikens, bar none. Final thoughts on this game, Pete. <sighs> we've we've covered most of it, Zach. But but I think I think you know, hold your heads up high to the, to the program, to the teams, everybody involved um, love what they did this season. They're going to be back at the top of the A-10 um, battling it out with, uh, you know, that top tier of teams, be it UMass or, or Rhode Island or Fordham can get back up there. Maybe Dayton can regain some mojo. Slew's going to be in the mix at the top of the conference um, for a while. And, and I, I, I know this was a tough game. I know it didn't go the way we wanted. It got out of hand, but I think they ran into a very good team at the absolute wrong time. I think it was a tough draw. I think when you look at the women's tournament, one of the things that kind of uh, was, was a bit of a kicker is to see some of those other, you know, like the the potential first round games that they had uh, not perform very well, right? I mean, like um, I, I was looking for a while, like Ohio State, for example, yeah. was one, one of the, one of the um, the the teams that they thought they might be playing early on, or the, at least if you looked at any of the bracketology ahead of time, like we did, a lot of it had slew as a as a fourteen going to Ohio State as a three, and and watching Ohio State struggle um, against James Madison before finally in the last few minutes putting it together, kind of thought like ah man, it might have liked a, a crack at another one of these teams instead, you know, um, it it had to be Tennessee, so you know. I, they they have nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I'm I'm thrilled for the program to finally get to a tournament, and uh, I I just can't wait to see what they do next. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I uh, you know it was it was fun to get excited about a game like this and have uh, people all over the place watching and paying attention that that wouldn't normally. Uh, I think that's really the the crux of my enjoyment out of it, uh, as well as seeing our players um get a chance to to showcase their talent no matter how starkly different than Tennessee uh, on yeah. on a stage like over the air television which is is not something that many people get uh in college especially um 
well, women especially, and then non-men's basketball or football. Um, so, yeah, as far, you know, uh, I, I think the season and beyond, I I share your optimism as far as the program that Rebecca Tillett, or I guess the culture here that she can, can, can cultivate. Uh, I am very nervous that we will not find uh, a big to replace Brooke Flowers. Uh, you know, the, I don't think Hydera's the answer for sure. Uh, well, but, and she's already a fourth oh, year she? player is anyway. She, I have, yeah, I think she's probably only got one more year. Uh, I think Saval Goal is done after. Yeah, yeah, she is. So, I mean, the the front court's thin. Uh, I think. But... Well, we we did um, we did get commitments from three three players a couple weeks ago. That's um, right. God. So so they and they are bigs. They're all the front court. I think one's more of kind of a combo forward, and the other two are true front court players, like true bigs. Um, but look, I mean, they're they're JUCO players, and none have put up like huge numbers, right? right. I mean, they've got the uh, the the first one scores about twelve points a game. The other two are like eight and six, eight and eight. You know, like they like they're just they're they're not flowers i don't think they're they're not going to have the shot blocking ability they don't have the height or the length that she does but they do have you know more size and strength i think in terms of like their physicality um so it's going to be a different look in the front court i don't know if they're going to be option one and two down there or, or how that's going to work yet I, I think there's still um there still might be another scholarship to play with i'm i, I guess we'll see how everything shakes out this spring um, so it's going to be a different look, but I, I do think in the longer term, like, look, these are their Juco transfers. They'll be fine. But in the longer term, we, we, we do need to see, you know, the, the overall recruiting um, profile of the program go up, you know, from where it has been historically. I think we will see that happen. I, I think this is a good staff, energetic staff, and the program's going the right direction. So we will see that. I just don't know if we'll see a big difference next year. You know, it's going to be largely the same t same team with with kind of a new front court look, I think is, is more or less what it's going to be. And oh, hey, hold on. The broadcast announced that uh, Julia Martinez was returning. Uh, so I didn't hear that. I, you know, I heard was watching... something about it. Yeah. And I was... thought they were saying, like, she has yet to decide if she's going to use her final year. Her yeah. extra year. I, I missed it completely. You know, I was probably uh, telling one of my kids to be quiet or something at some point, but uh, pipe down. Uh, but yeah, that, that we did see that via text. A couple of people said that, that they heard that. So um, I, I don't know. Did she say it in like a pregame presser or something like that? I don't know, but it's like, uh, I was like, damn, she's going to do us like that. I'm not going <laughs> to announce anything and then tells the announcers I, yeah yeah uh, three days later you know we have to hear it on tv unbelievable <laughs> you're not welcome back <laughs> uh yeah but i mean that's that that again if assuming that's correct um that really you know we we look more or less aside from flowers this is going to be a lot of the same group back next year yep. and um and they've really learned how to play together well and We'll just we'll see what the front court looks like, and and I think there'll be a pest again in in the A10, and then probably stronger in the non-conference. And you got to really like uh, the direction they're heading in. Uh, Peter, I wanted to, uh, as I like to do, get into subjects that uh, are touchy. I like to get, I like to, you know, 
push the envelope. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about what I what I believe is holding you know women's college basketball back a little bit as far as kind of getting the average fan. Like, I mean, I, I the, it was on this was on full display Saturday. We've talked about it. And it's prominent every year in the first round of the NCAA tournament and many times beyond that, deep into the tournament. Um, the com- the competition gap between the top 10 teams in the nation and fellow NCAA tournament teams is just preposterous. Um, I'm of the belief that like it, it very much is hindering the growth of the college game, although the college game is the most popular women's basketball division. Um, you know, I know, um, you know, the people have suggested WNBA do something like drop the rims, maybe a few inches, enhance the entertainment factor. Um, I don't think that's obviously going to solve the college basketball crisis, um, or not crisis, but the college, but the issue we are talking about at hand, Pete, what do you think about how, how crazy it is that, you know, the, the haves and the have nots are such a stark uh, difference. Yeah. So I think it's important to keep in mind, you know, title nine passes in 1972. I don't think the first women's basketball tournament was held for another 10 years. I think it was 1982 was the first one. Mm-hmm. Women's basketball was not at the Olympics until 1976. Um, women, women's basketball, depending on what state you were in, had a completely different rule book than, than, than men's <laughs> like, basketball. Uh, the beginning of Glory Road. Where they, yeah, uh, yeah. Where I mean, if... playing two, uh, what was it? It was two people couldn't cross over. Right. I, like, I, I think, um, yeah, like one of, my, one of my friends in high school, his mom played in, in high school in Iowa back, mm-hmm. back in the, you know, early 70s or whatever. And I think, yeah, they had designated players on offense and defense. Yeah. It's like, like, <laughs> It doesn't make any sense, but the point uh, I'm trying to I mean, to... I could tell you the reasoning they did it, but sure. But that, the, no, the... yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna say it out loud, but the larger point I'm getting at is that it's a younger game, right? And it's in a different phase of its existence than the men's basketball game is, which is a much older, more mature game. I mean, a lot of the men's basketball programs playing in this year's tournament have been playing for over a hundred years. Yep. And 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 it's it's literally half of that or less in the case of most women's programs when you think back in the the history of the men's game you get to a, a point where ucla is winning 11 national titles in a row um that's unimaginable in today's men's game but you do have a situation where like in the you know tennessee especially in the 90s and early aughts and then kind of gradually shifting to yukon you do have that kind of level of dominant program in the women's game it's just at a completely different life cycle and when you get another decade or two from now, I think it's going to look completely different, right? I think it's going to look completely different. If you look at the women's tournament, all the ones, twos, threes, and fours won. There were some upsets at the 12-5 level. Um, and, and of, you know, of course, it's the 12-5. It's always that in the men's side as well, right? But that's not something that's always happened. And, you know, slew losing by by 45 to Tennessee, I mean, it, it, this the game the women's game has if, even from like when i was in college not all that long ago <laughs> i guess 18 years ago it's when i graduated jesus it looks completely different like the athleticism the the skill level 
um, from the best teams to the worst teams, completely different. And and I, I think there is more parity now than there was oh, then. Yeah. Way, way more, you know, and, and we're talking about basically one generation of, 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 I, I guess, depending on how you measure it, but whatever. Um, that I think that is the main reason for what we're seeing. And it's just, it's going to be a matter of time before the game gets to the level where, you know, a 14 can really threaten a three seed in the first round. And and then we start do seeing some of those upsets of like 13s over fours and 15s over twos start happening. I, I think it's, we're getting pretty close though. I think we are getting closer in the women's game. Um, so I, I, to me that, that, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that premise, but that's kind of where I come from when I look at, at where it is. And I don't think it's the kind of thing that you need to sound the alarm bells on or lower the rims or change the rules or anything like that. I think you just got to let the game keep growing because it's growing really fast. Yeah, I agree. I think that was my next question. And certainly I'm not talking about, you know, changing the rules of the game as it's played on the court, but you know, what can you do to kind of speed up that process and uh, maybe even out the, the talent level uh, more, you know, uh, is it, uh, could you limit the bids for power conference teams? Um, could you, you know, and then instead of uh, one bid leagues, you have two bid leagues. Um, I've always said that I thought that unofficially, the NCAA has a, it starts off with a, a system of this is the base number of bids a conference can get. Um, you know, would you give, uh, you know, automatically give the A-10 two bids and take one away from the SEC or um, take one away from the Big East, uh, give one to the uh, Missouri Valley. The I mean, Missouri Valley is a great women's basketball conference to begin with. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I think it'd be interesting to see if you could get uh, less of the big schools on TV and more of the small schools. I think, you know, one of the things that kind of is, is, is frustrating is you hear ESPN banging the drum for how they've, you know, I, they literally like patted themselves on the back in like an Instagram post for uh, helping grow women's sports by showing X amount of women's games but all those women's basketball games are sec games. They're Notre Dame versus uh, whatever, Indiana, Notre Dame versus Indiana. They're the, the, the traditional women's basketball powers. You're not give us uh, on a, give us Friday 10 for, for women's team. Like do, do the women's game at like six and the men's game at eight or something like that, you know, um, start, Given the smaller conferences a little more run on TV and see see if that see how that works out. Well, you're, you're never going to get an argument from me on that. I mean, I I always want uh, our smaller conferences to get more of a fair shake for mm -hmm. things. Realistically, is that going to happen? I don't know. I think Hell they're, no. They're, they're they're you know there's already a limited like appetite willingness whatever you want to call it to to showcase the women's game so when they do they're going to probably keep focusing on the the power conferences the the blue bloods you know the the, um, the more pretty basketball because we're sure. still in that phase i mean but but i i think some of the stuff that's going to help is i think nil is really going to help mm -hmm. because i think there are players there are playing styles there are personalities that are that nil is going to give opportunities to shine that they they never could before now that they can really capitalize on those images 
And um, so I think that's going to help. Uh, I, I think there is really a only genuine concerted effort by a lot of networks, organizations, whatever, um, to kind of push interest in the game more. I think I see it happening in soccer as well. You see the the fights for equal pay, and no matter how all that stuff shakes out or 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 what people think of it, it over the long haul, it's going to have the impact of raising the profile of the women's game. And um, I think I think really I think more than anything else, it's just going to be more more investment, more patience and then more um, more willingness to keep supporting it. I mean, you know, as 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 corny as, as it sounds, it's like I, I I made sure my daughter was with me when I popped the game on the other day. Right. So Absolutely. so she she knows like uh, like and she even said she's like, those are all girls. She said they're all girls playing. Because we've been wow, so you're much such a misogynist. <laughs> Jeez, um, uh, they're, the, they're the, just the not... nerve of that that little girl. And 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 my wife, you know, who was women's studies major in college, of course, she's like, oh, I only watch the the Xavier men's team. She's like, I got to do better. I got to do better. And I'm like, yeah, you you know what, you do. No, oh, um, but I think I think honeymoon's over. Time, over and <laughs> it's been over for a long time. I got nothing to be afraid of at this point, but, but <laughs> so it's <laughs> except for fear itself. <laughs> so, so it's, it's just one of those things where like, you know, you just, uh, from, from my perspective, I think it's just, it just, it's one of those things that takes time. I think it's well on its way. I, I, I mean, I was courtside for every women's home game for four years, working the scoreboard when I was there. And I cannot even explain how much better the quality of play is now. Mm-hmm than it was from 2001 to 2005. You, you know, I, I, it's not even, and I'm not just talking about SLU. Uh, I'm talking about everybody because they were in conference USA. There's, mm-hmm. there were some, some big programs came to town and it's not even close. Act. It's not, it's just a different sport. now. I, I got a question for you because I watched those teams that you sat. We both sat Oh, I saw you, I saw you running around up in the stands every game, man. I saw you there. I know you were there. Thank you. (laughs) But I, but no, like, even like when I would, uh, you know, control my ADHD long enough to sit down (laughs) and watch the game. Thank you for making fun of my medical condition. Very nice. No, um, I'm kidding. You were just young. Yes. Both, both. It was really both. It truly was. Yeah. Um, but you know, I look at players like, Tyler McElwraith, shout out Tyler McElwraith. Sure. Um, Rachel Diener, uh, you look at like Katie Paganelli, even um, Maggie Hennigan, Amy Klotz. Like it felt like those were those women bigger, or was I just a tiny human being? Like, because uh, yeah. it still felt like we were getting. It felt like we were getting good talent and talent with size. It felt like we were getting talented players, which is, but it was like, like if you, if you told me that like those teams under shimmy gray Miller were way less talented than the players on this team. I don't think so. It doesn't, it doesn't compute with me. I mean, Amanda Kemajis was an absolute monster in the paint. Um, I, I just, I, I, I find it hard to like, look at that and i don't know if it's me looking at it as a as a 11 to 13 year old boy do you know what i mean well i i do think that is part of it i mean i think the 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 people we watched in our youth are always kind of are larger than life right mm-hmm. until you get to the point where you're kind of their age or size or whatever you don't 
you just have a different perspective on it. But I, I do think they would probably be the first to admit that um, the way athletes are trained and conditioned and oh, all of those yeah. things now has evolved very quickly. Um, the resources that players have available 24 seven, the, the training staffs, um, the way that they play G- in, gyms in without holes in the walls, <laughs> right? It, youth, AAU, high school, every level has evolved very quickly. There's a lot more investment in youth sports across the board, every sport, every gender, everything it's, it's gone it's gone through the roof, like what, what we do around sports. So I think they would be the first to admit like, Hey, yeah, players now they're, they're faster, stronger, more skilled, like things like that. It's not to say that they wouldn't, you know, had those players come up in this generation. I mean, yeah, they would, they would still be those college athletes and everything. Right. It's just, um, I, I think they would, they would be able to point to a lot of the reasons why um, the, the, the talents, and and athleticism and skill has evolved um, pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's wild to think about. You know, I always thought that you know Teresa Lish was. I mean, I'm even talking about competitively in that era, because those players yeah. were. I, I'm not even comparing them to them now. Like I meant to compare them in that era to the Billikens in this era, mm-hmm. but like it it felt like looking back at those teams. I mean, they were so talented and so. They had such great size and at the guard position and and at the forward position. And just I I just wonder if like comparatively speaking, where was that team? Like all things being equal, where does that team finish in the NCAA compared to like a Lisa Stone team? Like why, you know, it, it just because Lisa Stone teams had better finishes, right? Sure. I just, yeah, I, it's, I, it just doesn't compute. I can't wrap my head around the difference there. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that, and that's a fair question. Um, I'm probably, I think I'm probably thinking of a, a, a half generation before you are. Cause yeah. I was there. Um, Shimmy didn't come until after I was gone from. Slo. Oh God. Name some names. This will be fun. This would be fun. So, so the, the, the players, like when I was there, um, Rachel came at the end. I mean, she yeah. was a Pizzotti recruit. Um, but uh originally but it was uh it was more like like angie lewis yes i think was a was a great ahead of me star was, joe uh, star star jackson star jackson not star yeah Jones. was kind of their um their guard at the time yeah. um th- those were those were, were you the two. a mandy luking carol weil or was that a little before no you? they were ahead of me uh yeah 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 so yeah. i was yeah that was mandy luking and carol weil was like my first season of like like that was my little like that was like a seven-year-old crush was Mandy Luke and Carol Weil. <laughs> yeah, um, they were they were a few years ahead of me, but like, so so that's the era I'm talking about, and I and I think or that at least you know the one that I'm most um, that I'm drawing my perspective from anyway, most familiar with. Um, I think even by the time Shimmy was there, she was already upgrading talent, right? And then you know it's just it's a it's a constant evolution. Um, it, at least you want it to be, and I think it has been with the SLU women's program for sure. Uh, shout out to everyone involved in this women's basketball program because we just spent an hour uh, talking <laughs> women's basketball. Um, and, and that's not to say that like you and I wouldn't sit on a call and probably chat about women's basketball for an hour anyway. Um, like uh, it's, but, but to force our hand, you know, hey, even when you make a tournament, yes, you, you get attention. I've said this a thousand times. Um, you know, if you win at SLU, 
we will talk about you nonstop. Right. Field hockey. What's up? Yes. (laughs) Volleyball. What's up? Yeah. Yes. Softball. What's up? Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. You know, I, I think we both are, are such, you know, supporters of, of St. Louis, of of Billiken athletics, Uh, kind of like, uh, what, what is it? Uh, I'm Catholic, but I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm non-practicing. We're like, at times we're like Billiken fans, but we, we don't go, we don't, we don't, we don't agree with everything. You know what I mean? Like sure, sure. we're Catholic, but we don't go to church. Right. That, <laughs> yeah, that kind of deal. Uh, when we're frustrated with the, with, with the way things are going in the athletic department. Um, sure. Oh man. So let's get into some men's basketball. Not a lot to talk about. Uh, Unless you want to get full, get full on into offseasonbillikins.com because that place is in fine offseason form already. It oh, is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the love of Christ, guys, uh, we love you. Thank you for listening, but calm down. I think I think we we on this show we should probably focus on on information more than speculation, <laughs> information analysis, and not just uh, you know galaxy brain stuff. Oh my God! It. <laughs> oh my God! Are, are you re- are you reading it live yes. right now? Because I I don't recommend that. I don't recommend. That. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna read it out loud. But Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, uh, this yeah. has gone way like. Look, yeah, if, just go. Yeah, you're gonna want to check out. If if, if there's now. big news, we'll have a special episode. Yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll cover it. Don't worry. You, you know, we won't make you wait a whole week if something big happens on a Monday or Tuesday. That's just the way this goes. But, uh, but no, yeah. We, also, we, also, I would. Uh, that's something we may be revisiting this year. Uh, is moving recording so that we can yeah. handle any offseason news. Sure. Um, but men's basketball transfers. Um, our favorite Wordle master Nick Kramer has put his. Uh, you know, his brain in the transfer portal. You know, this is, it's the toughest part, right? Zach, because like we, we, we do this show and you kind of get attached when you, when you have somebody on the show, like, Hey, welcome to SLU. We're excited to have you, you know, like the, the new recruit energy, that new buzz, right? Um, we really like this guy and it's, it's always sad to see him go. And and we never really got to um, see how he was going to be as a, as a college player. He redshirted the season, didn't play um we knew he's got a good good build for the college game he's a good defender he can shoot it but we, we just didn't see a, a whole lot else you know come back did, please if you're right. a good defender come back <laughs> that's true and a good shooter yeah. um you can never have too much of that but he put his name in the portal um after this 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 year he's going to have four years of eligibility i know he's going to because of those skills that we just described he's going to have a home somewhere um you, you know like like coach hendo told us in baseball um you it's hard to transfer up when you haven't really played and um he's gonna have to to figure out where the right landing spot is you know and i, I don't know how much of that is going to take like kind of a coach's recommendation or um maybe it's going to be one of the programs that recruited him out of high school or something like that uh, but otherwise you know it's it's just you know sad to see him go and we really liked him he seemed like a a good kid, a uh, smart guy. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's still doing the wordle. I still do it every morning. Uh, like at like 5am. I do um, too. Not that early though. Yeah, no. Cause you're lazy. Um, <laughs> uh, nothing, uh, solid, no, no incoming transfers yet, Pete. What's up? 
we've seen their name kind of thrown around like hey uh, slew has contacted this guy or that guy you know like it, it, we follow enough of the, the the portal watchers on twitter to um i mean some of them are official portal watching twitter accounts that they'll just say hey so-and-so's in the portal here's who's contacted him and slew's name has shown up on several of them but like we're not going to do a deep dive on a guy where we're one of 25 schools who have contacted him it's just not worth our time um so and we're also not going to throw darts on names that hit the portal and we really like um if we do find out that somebody's considering a visit um that they've narrowed their options down and we're still in the mix then we'll bring a guy up and start talking about him then um but otherwise i mean look the challenge is that the turnaround time on transfer recruiting is so short it's a whirlwind process and sometimes we go from finding out about a guy to he's visited to or not even visited but committed in a very short amount of time and it's just it's tough to kind of kind of give uh the full analysis on everybody that way so if the, you know the the information the most important pertinent stuff that rises to the top will cover but yeah no nobody's solid yet in the portal but i think uh you know we know what we're, we're gonna have four or five scholarships to play with so um it, we have the potential to make some noise in spring do you put your tinfoil hat on when you see a guy that uh, uh enters the transfer portal and commits the same day or the next day <laughs> um not uh, not like, necessarily i, I mean, I mean our... there, there's there's nothing that says a player can't contact right right like, like he, he knows like hey here's a here's a here's a uh, assistant coach i used to talk to all the time um if i shoot him a text message you know like like there's there's that kind of thing so can, so no can a can a assistant can a coach respond to a message like that okay now um i think they uh, i don't know if they can if they're not officially in the portal yet you know but i mean there there is I mean, a lot look time. like like these guys that are going in the portal or are, are planning this out these, these guys aren't just like waking up in the morning and be like let's go portaling right. like they've been they've been thinking about this for a while which includes uh research on other schools and what other sure. teams are and, doing and, i mean and when, just when the yeah, yeah. When, these guys aren't playing ball they're watching ball or playing fortnite <laughs> well and also like um coaching you know you you may think oh there's thousands of different coaches but it's like it's a pretty small fraternity yes. and they all they all know each other and just because a player or a coach can't reach out to a player first or whatever the rules are um doesn't mean people don't talk so um sure i mean even like I mean, I'm surprised we haven't seen a, we've seen one portal trade, right? Pure trade? Like all like a portal, like a legit transfer trade. Like I, I think it, we came close to one. Which one was that? I don't remember, but I swear I saw it. Um but like you could I mean you could t definitely be like where, you know, a player tells a coach way ahead of time that he puts his name in the portal, like Hey coach, like I, I, I need, I want to transfer at the end of the season. And then the coach, like, you know, Hey, where, Oh, where are you thinking? Oh, they okay. Let me text. So-and-so like, yeah. I mean, that stuff could go on. Oh, sh it does. I mean, it yeah. does a hundred percent does where, you know, so, and, and it's I, good for a coach to do that too. It's the, it's, you know, yes. it's good PR behind the scenes. Think about how recently we had coaches or schools or conferences blocking transfers. Still do. 
but like that you don't want to be that coach no. because word spreads quickly and those guys are kind of they're di- they're dinosaurs right like they're not going to be around forever the coaches who act like that like you have to be like right now um nick kramer's biggest allies agents whatever you want to call them is the slew coaching staff like yes. you don't no matter who who's coming in or coming out you always want to do right by a player now because recruiting is an ongoing process you you they they, they talk now like we're recruiting our own players and you don't want like bad apples going out the door mad at the staff bad mouthing you to other guys like you just don't want that to put that out there um you want to do right by the guys even the ones who are leaving even the ones who you don't want to leave you, I, you just have to i still think it should be acceptable that like you can block in state and uh rivals <laughs> i for for sure like um, I mean, come on. I I, like, I I don't I don't I I I wouldn't do that. Oh man! I know it's it's painful, but like, look, like, let it happen, and then let your let your fans just like hate the dude if, forever. If it's meant to be, let it go. That's right. That's It'll it come wasn't back meant to, be. to you. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, let's talk about the high school kids. Let's get weird. Because grown yeah. men talking about teenagers is totally normal. <laughs> we we did have one new offer this week. Um, Jashawn Stevenson, who's a 6'4", 180 uh, combo guard uh, from Lindblom Academy in Chicago, a school I've, I've not heard of before. Um, he plays for Young and Reckless AAU. He's a big-time scorer. Is I think that he owned averaged... by Rob Deerdick? I, I don't believe so. I don't <laughs> How believe did so. Our... No, literally, they. I think they used that logo. From oh, like, really the Young don't... and Reckless clothing logo. Yeah, I I can't say I know much about it's any of bizarre. that. But... Yeah, no, I know that. I've heard that AAU team before. Yeah, they're the, it's a Chicago program. They're yeah. not. I don't think they're a fill. They're not like an Adidas or a Nike or anything like that. But, um, but anyway, this kid. I mean, he scores. Stevenson scores about twenty eight points a game. Yeah, um, he did this season as a, a, a junior, um, because he is a twenty twenty four player. Uh, he's tough, physical, uh, scores on three levels, right? He's most effective going to the rim, crafty finisher. He draws a lot of fouls, gets to the line, but he's got a nice pull up and floater in the lane, um, in the mid range. He he's really a true combo guard too. So he can pass, he makes plays for his teammates and he says he can guard any position at the high school level. I don't know if he's really guarding the post, uh, but nonetheless, he creates a lot of steals and you got to love the, the sort of confidence and, and range of a kid who says he can guard anybody um slew's only the second offer after northern illinois you know he's got some more schools interested but we're definitely getting in early on this one i uh i think this is kind of an intriguing name i always like a guy who scores you know around 30 in high school i think that's somebody you can't quite ignore right like some of that's got to translate um and the fact that he's got a good frame physicality too i think he he looks the part of a solid d1 recruit to me we'll see uh at what level he kind of ends up being though Pete, we st- I still have not – I have been sandbagging on posting our research request, uh, and that is on me. I have started <laughs> a new job within the last few weeks, and it is uh, it has taken – I am in the office way more. Um, and so my the, it's amazing how much a 20-minute commute each way takes up about an hour and a half of sure. your day. Oh, I get it. Like actually it. preposterous. Uh, it's, I am so hungry by the time I get home because it's already past dinner time. 
Right. Uh, so I automatically, while I'm cooking dinner, I reach into that fridge and I pull out that two men in a garden and a bag of chips. And I yeah, I get a little appetizer going. I don't blame you, Zach, because it makes a great one. It makes a, it goes great with anything. Uh, best snack though, it's chips and salsa. Come on. It's just the best. Snack I, I had period. some before the, uh, the battle Hawks game we went to Chava's, but uh, I, you know what I much would have preferred two men in the garden. Yeah. And, and I, I don't blame you. Um, I I've still got my kind of uh, secret recipe blend going on. That's not really a secret at all. And I, I, I just remembered, I did not share that to our Instagram. I'll do that this week. Um, but one of the things that I love, Zach, my my daughter, my three and a half year old daughter is now addicted to their pickles. Um, she's the pickiest eater in the world. She doesn't eat anything. And um, the first time she had one of their pickles like a year ago, she wasn't really into it because they're different than the ones she normally eats. And if there's anything a little bit different, she just won't touch it. Right. Um, we See, this is of- why we get along, because I am. I I was your daughter when I was that age. Like I was. I I, I just I'm not a picky eater at all. And I gotta tell you, it's like it's infuriating. It's, it's the worst. Yeah. It's yeah. the worst. Anyway, uh, she uh she she her her normal pickle kind, because we have to get her her own special kind, of course, because that's what it's like to live with the picky eater, ran out. And I was like, look, Clementine, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to try a different kind if you want pickles. And she was like, All right, fine. She was open-minded for a rare occasion. And devoured them. Like if I let her, she would have eaten an entire jar. Um, I don't think that's healthy for uh, somebody who weighs 29 pounds or whatever. But, <laughs> um, amazing. Amazing. She's now like, like looking for them in the fridge and everything. So um, if you haven't, give them a chance. Twomenandagarden.com. You can find pickles, salsa, and much more. All right. Here we go. Uh, Billiken, actually non-Billiken trivia question of the week. How many jars of pickles would equal the weight of peter's three-year-old daughter uh let us know um baseball uh they they put their clothes back on uh they're no longer streaking (laughs) it ends at 10 games unfortunately they had the after the 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 marshall sweep to to start the series they peeled off 10 straight wins and it came to a uh, screeching halt against Southern Indiana on Tuesday the 14th, Zach, with a 10-2 loss. Yep. Uh, midweek game. So, I mean, hard to hard to really take anything from these. These are definitely, uh, we'll remind you, are definitely games where you want to get your, your young arms some work, uh, your inexperienced arms some work, your, uh, your younger players some run out in the field. Um but again, odd losing to Southern Indiana by such a score, which is, you know, it it is what it is. It's baseball. You're never going to win uh, all your games or even, you know, uh, 90%. You're not, you're just not going to go on 10 game winning streaks all the time. Um, Pete, run us down uh, this game and how it happened. So Southern Indiana scored in each of the first four innings to take a 5-1 lead. Um, and then Slew's first run came on a bases-loaded walk, actually. Uh, by the time Cole Smith hit an RBI double for Slew's second run in the bottom of the seventh, USI had already added four more runs to their lead. Um, so Owen Chafin took the loss, and Max Babich was the only one of Slew's five pitchers not to let a run cross the plate. But like you said, you know, staff game, midweek game. 
you're maybe not putting your 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 best lineup out there. You like your killer lineup, right? Um, regardless, you know, Southern Indiana is not a bad team either. So even though they're new to D1, they're they're not bad. No, and and reminder that literally baseball is any any school can be good. Like I mean, a JUCO team could come in and beat the Billikens. Yeah, unless like you're playing one of the, the the true blue bloods, like an yes. Ole Miss or something like that. Like, uh, it, you just yeah, anything can happen. Yeah, they added a a, a, a midweek game against South Dakota State. It was a five one loss. Uh, South Dakota State scored in the top or at three in the top of the first off Ben Cherico, and that was all they needed. Austin Newegg got one back with a sack fly in the third. Caleb Thompson gave Slew six strong innings of scoreless relief, and then. Excuse me, Jack Weber and Ethan Bell finished it off, but let a couple more runs score. Uh, Peter was a good weekend for the Billikens, though. Uh, and this is where it comes down to I don't know enough about uh, baseball powers and how good certain teams are. What I do know is that umpire down in New Orleans was a piece of shit that called that that strikeout. Oh, oh man. That I in know. Mississippi Valley State game? Yes. Yeah, wow. he's suspended. John Boy wow. Media does a great breakdown of that. Uh, that strikeout. Go watch it. It's hilarious. I saw that on Twitter. That oh is appalling. God. I yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before. That dude should never be allowed to umpire any. I knew, I mean, I know we're in a shortage, but we're letting that kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he 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 had to get home for dinner. His dinner was getting cold. <laughs> man. Um man. Uh but the Billikens uh beat a Lamar team that had some really nice results early in the season, like we talked about. Yeah, Lamar's got a good record too, and and these these were two dramatic wins. Yeah, interestingly enough, Zach, they played them down in um, Millet- Millington, Tennessee, on Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday um, at the USA Baseball Complex. So I think it was moved there due to weather or like what they thought would be, you know, like too cold a weather or whatever. Um, and which was, I, I think, also why the third game that was scheduled for Sunday got canceled. Uh, but regardless. Um, Slew entered the ninth inning of the first game, trailing seven to three, and then Ethan Sitzman hits a, a game tying grand slam in the bottom of the inning. Tyler Fogarty then hits a game winning solo shot two pitches later to walk it off. Um, just an amazing win for Slew. Reed Hendrickson gets his first win after blanking Lamar in the top of the ninth. Um, Knox Preston almost also homers homered in this one, and um, they followed it up the next day with a ten inning walk off. Tyler Fogarty again, uh, this time with a bases loaded single in the bottom of the 10th to send Don Cusimano across the plate for the winning run. Uh, Ethan Bell picked up the win in two and two thirds scoreless innings. So we actually had a five, one lead after three innings, but Lamar chipped away at it, eventually tied it in the eighth to send it into extras. Um, So it's a, it's a relief that they didn't let this one get away. And uh, won again in dramatic fashion. Cameron Swanger had a nice game here. Three for four with four RBIs, including a three-run home run. Uh, like I said, uh, the one uh, the game for Sunday was canceled. Slew moves to 12-5 and five on the season. And next up, they've got Missouri State in a one-off game on the 21st. And then a weekend series out at San Jose State, 24th through the 26th. Uh, yeah, hey, uh, uh, Hendo, I'd like to come out with the team in cover. Embed, embedded with the team for that San Jose State game. Actually, it's probably cold in San Jose. Honestly, San Jose stinks. I think California in general had kind of a cold snap lately or a yeah. colder start to the year than usual. But yeah, San Jose, it's not. It's yeah, it's, 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 it's nice. like um, it's like Earth City. 
Yeah, it's it's it, like it's like a, it's a more residential version of St. Louis's Earth City. It, it's weird now too because it's like the closest big city to the to Silicon Valley, so it's like a weird. I don't know. Like everything's like overpriced and it's, I don't, it's not my favorite city to be honest with you. No. Uh, especially that bar that kicked me out after the last, <laughs> uh, Billy Kinnan's, you know, way turn my hands. By the way, I'm sitting here watching fairly Dickinson, man. And I absolutely like, I'm watching these fans go ape shit and man, do I miss it? Yeah, man. Like being that hyped. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Gosh. We well, seeing my, like my wife seeing her watch Xavier, you know, yeah. win win two games, get to the Sweet Sixteen, and then she had the gall to tell me oh, it's been a long time, and I was like, "Been a long time." Get lost. <laughs> it's like, please get away from me right now. Yeah, like I don't need to hear that. Uh, softball side, uh, Pete the Billikens, uh They played a a blue blood. They did. Number 14, Kentucky came to town and the official slew websites kind of positive spin headline on a six, three loss was Billikens challenge number 14, Kentucky in six, three loss. I think that was fair, Zach. I think they yeah. earned it. Yeah, I definitely do. Pete. Right. Uh, this was also a, uh, a moment for the, the Kowalik sisters. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, Gabby Kowalik, um, who's been great for slew this season, her twin sister Kayla is a catcher for Kentucky. Um, each of them ended up with two hits in this game, and they had a, a nice photo op um, that was shared by both uh, teams' social media accounts. So that was pretty cool. Maybe that's the reason why we kind of got this game in the first place. But Slew actually outhit the Wildcats nine to seven. Um, UK got out to a two zero lead in, in the first with a two run home run, and you kind of think like, uh oh, like this could get out of hand quickly. Um, but then they kind of held on. And Slew actually took the lead with a three-run fifth inning. Gabby Kowalik uh, hit a double that sent Natalie Sullivan home. Then Abby, Abby Mallow hits a two-out, two-run homer, uh, which was her second of the season. Um, but unfortunately, Kentucky had two more two-run homers after that, one in the sixth, one in the seventh. And the first and third one were actually hit by the same person, Aaron Koffel. So um, in the end, a, a respectable loss, I would call it. Yeah, it's a shame kind of that – they couldn't have got Natalie or not Natalie, uh, Kayla Kowalik. It, it wasn't. Oh, sorry. Natalie Sullivan. That's what I was reading. I'm dumb. Uh, I was trying to figure out what year they were while you were running them down. And I had Natalie on the mind and I Googled it and then I started. Yeah, never mind. doesn't matter. Sure. Anyway, it's, it's kind of, it's a bummer that maybe uh, we couldn't have gotten Kayla Kowalik over here for her grad year. Yeah, you know. I think they're 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 both in their grad year, their uh their yeah. last year of eligibility. Yeah. So uh but, but well, I mean you know. they're from it's not like they're local or anything, right? They're from Texas, so right, I know, but you know, maybe let them play together one season. Well, it wasn't so much their local as that like obviously Kayla Kowalik's team is here, Gabby Kowalik's here. Sure. Uh where which one's gonna go where to play, right? Um right. Uh, just kind of it's kind of reality. Um, the Billikens opened up their A10 account against Bonaventure this past weekend. Uh, you know what? I was upset. Uh, I realized that, like, they, it's so funny. Softball play, will play in cold weather, and it's kind of bizarre that all they had to do was go to SEMO yeah, to get warmer weather. It's um, like a totally different climate down in Cape Girardeau. Yeah, and I can't believe they came back for Sunday's game. Like, everything you're about that for is a weird. Hotel, 
right down there right. uh, why just stay another like what what's the difference uh but anyway uh I was really kind of bummed that Sunday and maybe it was because the whole series was pretty much sent down to SEMO, but it's pretty bummed. They didn't stream this game uh, on Sunday uh, today, uh, just because that's something they had done uh, the entire uh, season last year was every uh, a 10 game home game was streamed. So uh, a little bummed about that 11, win in game one, Chloe Wendling through the second, no hitter of her career. Going the distance of striking out eight, walking two. Slew went up 3-0 in the second and added eight more in the fourth. Chloe Ryan, Natalie Sullivan, Ashley Marietta, Kelsey Etling, and Jocelyn Abbott had two hits apiece with Abbott adding a home run, five RBIs and three runs. 12-4 in game two. Callie, Kaylee, Kaylee. Kaylee. I'm going to yeah. go with Kaylee. Kaylee Hanner started Taylor and Taylor Hockman pitched an inning of relief. Wendling ended up with her second win of the day by pitching the fifth. Tied 4-4 after four. Slew scored eight in the bottom of the fifth to end it. Uh, a walk-off mercy rule, so to speak. Everyone mm-hmm. in the top of the eighth. Everyone in the top eight of Slew's lineup crossed the plate, as did a pinch runner. Abby Mallow hit a pair of home runs and had five RBIs. The win was the 300th of head coach Christy Knoyer's career. I won't give her the Kent Miller treatment in which I mentioned how many games she's lost. Uh, tw- sorry. Um, Pete's like, God damn it. Uh, why do, <laughs> why Lord, why must you let this chucklehead test can't me? Can't help it. Just can't help no, it. No, I can't. Uh, 12, three win on Sunday, the 19th. So had four, three, had a four, three lead in the, after four innings. And once again, scored eight in the bottom of the fifth. Chloe Wendling got her third win of the series. Ashley Marietta and Kelsey Etling got their first home runs of the season. Both had three hits apiece, as did Natalie Sullivan. Those three and Gabby drove in all of Slew's runs. They'll play Lindenwood on the 22nd and then a weekend series against George Washington, the 25th to 26th. Pete, I find it interesting. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, yeah, I, so I, I was just going to say they mercy ruled Bonaventure in all three games. They yes. scored 35 runs and they allowed seventh. I think that's a pretty good way to start your conference. Yes, season. it is. I will and say that's... that Bonaventure is one of like, they're up there with like George Mason for like doing absolutely nothing other than men's basketball. Like Bonaventure yeah. has a terrible baseball team. Uh, what do they have? I, I don't even know if they have a volleyball team. I, I can't, I, I, it's almost hard for me to understand why they play anything outdoor um, in that, in that environment. It's just like your baseball season can't really even start until no. mid late May, the way uh, the the weather is up there. So I, I have to imagine that's the hardest place in the world to recruit for those specific sports. It would make Sluice campus look like shit, but I would love to see us do like a bubble dome over baseball and softball, <laughs> just all of it together. It, it, all it, of it, it in one big bubble dome. They uh they they have one of those every year at at UC kind of by where I live. My my daughter actually her preschool's like across the street from it, and they are they're now in the process of because they're going to the Big Twelve and they're going to be you know flush with more money now. Cincinnati's since, going to the Big Twelve. Yep, huh. yep, along with Houston and uh, Central Florida, and I think BYU too. But anyway, so they're now right now they're in the process of um, tearing down the bubble. They've already deflated and removed it, and they're going to build a permanent practice structure right there. Uh, but I got to tell you, the bubble—it's ugly. It is. Yes. It's, there's those things are ugly, man. Just like like a big, dirty, white rubber, whatever the material is—not rubber, but 
Uh, yeah, they're, they're nasty to look at. Vinyl, I, I get, I get vinyl. what you're saying, but man, yeah, vinyl. I, so ugly. Uh, Pete, run us down the men's tennis results real quick, because I know you can't pr- pronounce anybody on the women's team, so I'll give you the men. Oh, that's cold. Um, so both the men's and women's team played down in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Um, the men, nice. yeah, no kidding. Um, the men got out to a, a good start, actually won all three. They beat Georgetown College from Kentucky on the 14th, 7-0. Um, they got a 4-3 win over George Mason on the 15th. I don't know if that counts in their um, conference column, but I don't think it really matters in tennis because you only play two or three conference teams anyway um, before the, the the championship. And then they got a 6-1 win over St. Francis, Pennsylvania on the 16th. They improved to 13-2 on the season, and they've now won four in a row. And um, to ice it, uh, junior Ryota Fukushima was named A-10 Player of the Week for the week of March 6th to 12th. He picked up wins in number one singles and number two doubles. And it's funny, Zach, because the, the award was based on the previous week, um, but he really played even better. He got more done in, in, in the past week. Um, next up, the men will play Baker at St. Clair Tennis Club on, the, on March 25th. Uh, women's tennis played down in Hilton Head as well, same time as the men. 7-0 win over Georgetown, Kentucky. Uh, on the 14th, uh, 4-3 loss to George Mason on the 15th. 4-0 wins over Lafayette on the 15th and St. Francis, PA on the 16th. So he's now 12-4 and on the season. Elizabeth Minnesota was named A-10 Player of the Week uh, of March 6th through the 12th after winning multiple matches in the number one spot and in number two doubles. Uh, they'll play Butler on the 26th. Both tennis teams are about two-thirds through the regular season uh which seems crazy it feels like they just started and you know now i'm thinking about it like softball's already in you know conference play uh i wonder are they they are actually in conference play aren't they softball yeah i mean they just they just played saint well i know they played bonaventure but sometimes it's like well they've got gw next weekend it's kind of a trickle right it's not like it's not like men's basketball is so delineated between like we've we've now entered the conference phase of the season because you'll still play midweekers right something about these springs or uh yeah i guess these are the spring sports right they just fly by they just go they go so fast because they'll Um, play well they play in the middle of the day a lot of them and you don't get to watch them and next thing you know you see you see three or four results I mean, and that's, I mean, I'm speaking as somebody who doesn't have alerts up for every sport on the Billiken app, uh, which is, again, if you're not on the Billiken app, dude, like even just for the ticket portal, it's a brilliant, brilliant piece of technology. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, uh, Next up, Butler on the 26th, as I said, track and field outdoor season will start at the Raleigh Relays hosted by NC State on March 24th and 25th. And I got it. I think in April, what is it? The, is it April that the the St. L- the SLU event is, or is that May? Um, I have to double check real quick, but um, I gotta you gotta like the name Rally Rallies R- Rally Relays. Um, no, the the SLU of the Billiken Invitational is March thirty first. So okay. close, close to April. Got it. All right. I'm what I'm gonna I want to run the ten k in that just for content there you uh, go uh john bell if uh if there's an opening at, at uh at the uh the billiken invitational i'd like to uh enter the 10k um <laughs> if you just start at, running i mean who's gonna stop you 
You don't need a number. <laughs> uh, what was uh, what was her name that ran the marathon and cheated? Uh, uh, Rosie, R- R- Rosie Rosie Perez. Ruiz. Rosie Ruiz. Rosie yeah. Perez was in White Men Can't Jump. Yeah, she's an actress. Uh, yes. Uh, Rosie Ruiz. Uh, sweating, lumbering down the line. Amazing. Uh, th- that wraps up the week in Billiken Athletics and other stupid shit we decided to talk about. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod, at Peter is a tweeter, at Zach Miller MMP, and on Instagram at Midtown Mad Pod. Uh, any suggestions, send them our way. Uh, subscribe, rate, do all that good stuff. You know the drill. Uh, as always, Pete, go Bills. Go Bills.